What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pixels Podcast, a podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake. And today we're here to talk a little Worlds Beyond Number, Wizard Witch in the Wild One, episode 20. Episode gonna, 20. I'm just going to jump go. in right there. Like, I can't believe we're here. Like, it's almost been a year, right? Between. Yes. Between the every other like- week schedule and the break between the first two arcs. I thought the, I guess you're right. I thought it was like fall or something. Yeah, we're not. It's not a year yet. It's not a year yet. But I feel like we got to be getting close because episode twenty means at least forty weeks, and then there was like a month or two break between arcs one and two. I think. Yeah, maybe it wasn't that long. No, you're the math checks out. There's one thing we know: it's math. Yeah, (laughs) that's what we're known for. Um, But yeah, I just it doesn't feel like. And again, it's not a year, so maybe we should you know, sidebar this conversation to when it actually is. But I just, I can't believe it's even been almost a year. It feels weird. And it's been very good. I'm yeah. very glad I have committed myself to it. Um, I very much enjoyed uh, the campaign, but also just like the style of Worlds yeah. Beyond. Yeah. So it's very good content. Same. Absolutely loving it. Um, Which yeah, I guess if you guys... I'll just say if you guys who are watching, if you you found us through like Critical Role or like other forms of content and like you've been like, what is this thing I keep hearing about? Like, let this be like it is like the perfect drive time audiobook is what I'll even call it. Yeah, Um, because like you're listening to a story and it's a continuous story, but it's just very well made. And yeah, the cast, they're just amazing. Agreed. It's definitely I would say it's more similar to an audiobook than it is to critical role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I was actually going to say, say the same thing, but we should say this again, not in this video. Cause anybody that's watching this already watches <laughs> world beyond. Well, I would, I, was, I would at I least imagine, maybe, you know, we got on, on the YouTube, we got like, you know, 13, 14,000 subscribers, you know, and the videos always get sent out to people. They're like, Hey, new video from these guys. And you know, yeah. You have like people who probably like they're like, oh yeah, and then the people are like, who are these people again? And I'm, you know, I'm kind of speaking to that second group that they stumbled across the video and they're like, ah, yeah. I only do critical role. And you're like, <laughs> hang on, for you X out that box. Yeah. You know? Well, Check no, yeah, no, agreed. I, we need to bring everybody into into the family the here for, for this the fold. There we go. So yeah. <laughs> that's the F word I was looking for. Um, uh, um but yeah we should just we should just do this again though is all I'm saying in our next yeah. critical role yeah. episode. We need to yes. need to get those fools in here. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> well um for those of you tuning in we had our Sunday fun day on Sunday. Mm-hmm naturally we watched uh liam o'brien's song of lorelei uh, and that's just a good little plug for our discord if you love discussions around D, critical role worlds beyond um just general nerd stuff uh i'd say jump into our discord it's a pretty positive solid group um yeah. i feel nervous all of a sudden of like <laughs> <laughs> i promise you we're pretty cool Please. um but uh part of that though is we do uh typically um we'll watch something on a sunday night just for anybody who wants to just hang out and digit chill um but we just finished that and um we have our friday live stream at one o'clock on now you got me thinking about the time (laughs) one o'clock on fridays and that's just a a hangout where we chat about again the same topics as before (laughs) yeah and uh you know we're pretty active on all the social medias so uh make sure you're checking us out and following us wherever you prefer yeah, please do. And also, we, I always forget to say this, but you just reminded me. If you are listening to us via podcast, we would uh, greatly appreciate you know a quick a quick review or whatever whatever the system is on the platform you're on. Uh, yeah. Always goes a long way. So, yeah, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Spotify. So we go. appreciate you all. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I hit a button. <laughs> Well, my friend, uh, are we ready to dive in today? I think so. And I guess one last quick thing that we 
doesn't necessarily need to be said here. Um, but I don't know what exactly our time looks like today, but for anybody that tuned in last week, you saw that obviously Blake wasn't here. Uh, so we didn't get to have our typical discussion. So we might get to squeeze in a little bit talking about that today yeah. as well. Um, I can dig it, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise take, take it away, my friend. Yeah, well, um, if you're tuning into us for the first time, we like to do a little recap before we dive into the episode discussion, only because sometimes the episodes can be a couple hours long, and in terms of like Critical Role, it can be four or five hours long. So we like to do a little bit of a recap for you, and what we actually do is we cut that out as a separate video and throw it up on YouTube. So if you're watching just the recap, there actually is a link to our full episode discussion down below, so you can check that out as well. Uh, but having said that, this was Worlds Beyond Number, um, the Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One, episode 20. I think it's it's Later Than You Think is the name of the episode. Maybe, maybe just Later Than You Think. I think that's right. And essentially, let me put my little notes here. The episode opens with the party at a cafe. They're at a cafe meeting with Pomeroy, the spirit warden for lack of a better phrase the spidery spindly uh, figure in his human glamour form at a cafe and who has agreed to essentially answer whatever questions they have about himself the nature of the gallery and um his relationship with grandmother rin now part of the reason they're here is because um ame knows his real name and essentially because of there being like power in a name it has created sort of like this blackmail effect of like hey tell us anything or we'll let people know what your real name is so there's a number of conversations that happen here uh first of all pomeroy reveals that he and grandmother rin had a pretty strained relationship in that she basically blackmailed him to provide an in into the Citadel, not just like with terms of information, but more specifically that Grandmother Rin was occasionally allowed to um, come by the gallery and take certain paintings, uh, take certain paintings, basically. Yeah. Uh, and he offers, uh, they ask for a list of those things, and Pomeroy says that it can be provided. Uh, Pomeroy also mentions that these paintings, whenever they are taken, that Grandmother Rin would always time it with, like, big-name thieves and crimes around town uh, to coincide with it so that people would be none the wiser. The other conversation that happens is uh, this conversation around Ursuline's sister, uh, the Badger, also known as Kalaya, who had been in the gallery some odd 20 years previously. Pomeroy reveals that Kalaya, something like 50 years before that, was actually pretending to be a wizard at the Citadel until some 30 years later she was found out to be a spirit and was effectively imprisoned in the gallery um, before being uh, released in an incident that saw many other spirits also being released. The party puts two and two together and realizes that this is actually what Ursuline found in the notes, in Suvi's notes, about her father, Soft, and that presumably Soft was one of the conjurers watching over the gallery and for some reason released a number of spirits, Kalia being one of them, and that Kalia has not been heard from or seen since. Uh, also, since this point, Pomeroy now watches over uh, the gallery uh, himself and basically says that um, he is endlessly devoted to the Citadel uh, and will always be in, um, in service of it. Um, also mentioned, um, well, the party actually say they say goodbye to Pomeroy. Uh, Pomeroy leaves, really not enjoying the sunlight. Um, but also mentioned is if we're going to find out more information on what Kalia was doing and more specifically, maybe what she was even studying while she was here, it might raise some eyebrows for people who wouldn't want them to know certain things or at least would um, might be suspicious. Uh, they table that. They decide to go to the court of Kabani, uh, which is the court of divination, to find out more about the wizard Sly, who uh, Grandmother Ren had told Ame was a true friend. Um, and effectively, they take a uh, a a portal door uh, or a teleportation spell um, through one of the services in the city to arrive at this. Uh, court where they do in fact meet the wizard Sly, who is living in kind of like this ramshackle, kind of small, very um, Back to the Future dock. Um, yeah. uh, just stuff everywhere, stuff in its boxes still. And um, the wizard Sly, we find out being in the court of divination, 
pretty much knows the future, can tell the future. Uh, there's a joke about where he's like, hey, let's go get a, you know, a, a donor kebab. And uh, Subi's like, well, should I lock the door? And he's like, no, no one's going to try to break in until a year and a half from now. <laughs> and there's a lot of like really, really cool comments like that. There's one moment where Subi's like, well, then I'm going to prove him wrong and I'm going to steal a ruby because there's like random rubies and like just stuff everywhere. Uh, and then later in the conversation, she feels bad and she gives it back to him. And he basically says like, I guess you never stole it, huh? Just therein, I mean, Brennan was just brilliant in that little stinger of a line. Yeah. But anyway, getting to the point, um, they have this full-on conversation about um, the nature of the wizard sly and like what exactly he does here. And he specializes, I can't remember the name of the office, but it's basically like averting ca ca uh, cat catastrophes. Yeah. And we find out that um, it, his catastrophes he's working to avoid are not always in the best interest of the Citadel. Right. Though it's implied that sometimes he does present certain things as in the Citadel's best interest. For example, Suvi sees a report where um, it's basically the Mage Sly doing like a budget request uh, to avoid this event that's going to end the Saraz family line like 200 years from now. And uh, all the gold and rubies that are required, it's like 80, I think it was like 800 pounds of gold, but it all adds <laughs> up to 85,000 imperial marks. Um, so despite that, he's effectively trying to do good um, on the Citadel's bankroll. Uh, and he does reveal some insights to the party. Um, to Ursulan, he says that you're on the right track, uh, which really encourages Ursulan. But he also tells Ursulan, you're going to need a shield, otherwise Suvi and Ame will be dead within the next year. Uh, which they're kind of like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> there's also, that, but that's even like a tiny detail compared to what he tells Ame, which is, which Ame's like, hey, like there's supposed to be like this conclave meeting, like what's up with that? And he's like, oh yeah, it's going to be happening in three days. Um, it's going to be happening whether you're there or not. And basically says like it's at the North Pole um, and essentially is like the domain of the witch, I think of wind and sky, I think is what it was. Um, but basically says that, hey, if you go to that meeting, you need to know they're going to try to destroy you. Not only are they going to try to destroy you, they're going to try to destroy your position, uh, the witch of the world heart. And the only way you can avoid it is by convincing them that another station must also be defeated or excuse me, destroyed, uh, to which they're going to realize they can't give up another station. Um, also mentions this key detail that if in every version you go to this meeting, if Suvi's not with you, you will die. Um, to which she's like, Hey, Suvi, you want to come with me? And Suvi's like, yeah, I guess I, I should. Guess, yeah. Um, there's a couple other cool things. Um, uh, he gives Suvi like a bag of rubies and it's kind of like, you know, you'll know what to do with these like when it gets to that point. And then also I think gives in order to get to this meeting gives like a, an item out of a crate that he describes, like looks like a dinner plate yeah. and is like, basically like, Hey, if you use this at like the divination sands, it'll get you where you need to go though. It won't get you back. Um, and then one last detail, uh, he tells Suvi that for Kieran's going to be back under the empire's control within the next 24 hours. And that steel will be arriving back shortly. Um, that's pretty much all the big notes from that conversation. Uh, and then as it's ending, uh, the wizard sly kind of poofs and teleports away and is like, good luck guys. Don't die. Um, <laughs> all that to say, they still have another meeting to have in this long day. And they decide to go over to Haverford to see, uh, Suvi's old friend, Hannah and her father, the artificer Galt. Um, do you want to take it from there? Yes, sir. Um, is it Haverford or Haverwert? I don't know now okay. that you say it because I wrote down <laughs> Wirt, but you said Ford and I was like, oh, I don't know which one it is. Um, Haverford. Okay. But now I don't know. Haverwert. Haverwert. <laughs> they both sound like they're right. Yeah. So y'all, y'all forgive will, us if we're, I will point out, I guess it was last episode we didn't talk about, but Brennan joked about how there's like 50 million names now yeah. and like so much lore. And he's like, you didn't even realize what we're getting into. <laughs> so who knows which one it is? <laughs> yeah. Y'all let us know in the comments. Um, so the crew, I'm just going to say Wirt for now, because that's what I have written down. The yeah. crew travels to Haverwort to go see Galt. Um, they enter a shop <clears throat> that says Tullover on it, and it's like this industrial factory, but yeah. it's not that big. It says there's only like 20 to 30 workers inside of it. 
Um, and inside, uh, Hannah is working at one of the desks and Brenner describes her as this like bone white hair, but like part of her face and neck are like deteriorated, um, <clears throat> presumably from the accident that we learned about a couple episodes ago. Um, but anyway, as the crew enters, Golt recognizes Suvi and is like, oh, hello. <clears throat> and as they're quickly like making introductions, there is this sudden influx of jewel hoppers, which are these like gym like crickets that um, yeah. enjoy eating like gemstones and precious metals. And in this industrial factory, that's like a feast for them. So they're quickly like, oh, we got to handle this. <clears throat> um, so Golt and Suvi both start trying to take these things out and Ame managed to catch one to keep for herself. Um, so <clears throat> after that kind of settled down, settles down a little bit, um, Ame and Golt kind of excuse themselves to go talk privately. And um, Golt says that uh, Rin or Ame says that Rin referred to you as a true friend. And uh, Ame actually tells him of her passing because he had not heard. <clears throat> and while they're having their conversation, Suvi goes and sneaks up on Hana and kind of surprises her and hugs her and, you know, catches up with her really quick. And she reveals that they're working on creating um, staff caps, but also shields here. And Suvi's like, perfect. Uh, we're trying to get a shield for uh, my friend here, uh, Bear, which is Ursulan, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they're like, could we maybe get one of these shields that you're making? <clears throat> and Hana's like, well, we aren't making these to like sell them. This is this has been commissioned by the Citadel. And we later find out that these are being turned into those sentient um, soldiers that we saw in a couple episodes yeah, previously. Well. Yeah, thank you, Tamori. <clears throat> um, but she's like, uh, but let me go ask my dad. Like maybe maybe we've got an extra one to spare. Um, so we cut back to Ame and Golt now. And uh, Ame is like... <clears throat> Apologies, you know, I don't have too much time to catch up with you and learn about your history with my or with grandmother Rin, but I would love to. Um, but I'm in a position where I'm short on time and I just, you know, I need help. Um, and so Goat reveals that uh, a little bit of his history with Rin, saying that he first met her back when he was traveling to build the traveling door to Silbury. Um, and this would have been about 25 years ago. And that's when he met Rin because some of the things in building that door were going awry. <clears throat> they had a lot of issues and Rin was actually the one to help them solve these issues. And this is the same time um, that Golt uh, met Stone, Suvi's mother, and presumably the same time that Stone met Rin as well, <clears throat> because she was an abjurer at the time and she was there to help with this door uh, as well. And he says that Rin back then talked a lot about the taboo of passage, saying that it has to do with the magical definition of roads and what roads were. And that's why this like door was having issues. Um, <clears throat> and it's at this point that uh, Hana walks into the room and asks about the shield for Ursulon, and they start talking in another language, their native language, presumably, um, Tuscavi, which is a vassal state of the empire, we find out. And there's like a quick exchange, and Hana is described as like looking bleak and kind of like not happy during this conversation. And Golt eventually says, just, just get the shield, Hana. Um, so then she leaves and uh, Golt continues saying that, you know, Rin was very kind to him. Um, artificers don't make the most money. And a lot of the times they have to find ways to provide for themselves to help make ends meet. And Rin helped him a lot with that. And he mentioned specifically that at one point, Rin had asked him for, I believe, a flawless sapphire. Um, and Ame can't remember ever seeing this or knows what he's talking about. Um, but at the end, he's basically like, yeah, like that's like the main information. Like, apologies, I couldn't be of more help. Um, so then we cut back to Suvi, Ursulan, and Hana. <clears throat> and she's like, hey, we don't really have any spare shields, but what we do have are some prototypes. So you're welcome to take a look at those. Um, and so what Brennan does for this is pretty cool. He has each of the players roll an investigation check to look for these prototype shields. And then he tells them to describe to him what they found based on their roles. <clears throat> so in order of worst role to best role, uh, we first have Suvi who just describes like this small buckler that she found that like doesn't have an enchantment, but is ready to get one. Um, Ursula describes finding a massive tower shield, like way bigger than a normal human could carry, but you know, perfect for somebody like him. Um, <clears throat> and then finally, Ame with the highest role, uh, says she finds a shield like tucked away in the corner behind all the other ones with like 
this gold sheen to it and then it like feels lighter than it looks um and all three of these by the way can can hold an enchantment <clears throat> um so they they grab those three and they you know ask hannah about it and they're like how much do we owe you and she's like no my father would be honored to to give you one and um ame does an insight check on this moment <clears throat> and realizes that there's like this weird dynamic between suvi and hana because of their past and stuff and that uh, what Abria reveals about Suvi is that like she's kind of unintentionally and is completely unaware of the fact of the new shift in their dynamic with Suvi being in such a high station in life and Hana not that it's kind of coming off as like she's speaking down to her. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Ame picks up on that awkwardness and is in like a trying to be kind says like, oh, no, we can't accept this for free. Like in return, you will have a boon, a favor from the witch mm-hmm. of the world's heart. And she gets like really excited about that and goes and tells her father and Gult is like, whoa, a shield for a boon. Sure. Like take all three <laughs> of them if you want. Um, but they only actually take two. Uh, Ursulan chooses the one he described and the one Ame described. Um, <clears throat> so as the party take their leave, they do invite Hana to come join them for dinner at Chura's chowder. Um, and she says she's busy, but you know, if she gets off work in time. She'll join them. Um, <clears throat> so they leave and there's this kind of powerful moment as they leave where Suvi makes an insight check and kind of has that realization of the dynamic and kind of just the privilege she's had in her life for being such a status individual um, compared to somebody like Hana, who's going to spend the rest of her life in that steamy factory. You know, um, she doesn't Suvi doesn't let anyone else know that she kind of is having this realization, but she has it. Um, so they go to the chowder shop. Um, Hana does not show up. Um, they eat and then they head on the platforms out of Haverwort to go back home. Um, but as they're riding it up, they do see out in the desert, <clears throat> all of these lights start popping up and, um, it's skyships, um, up to, I think four dozen Brennan mentions. Um, and he says, you've never seen this amount of military presence in your life before. And leading them all is Steele's flagship. And that's where the episode ends. Um, Again, that is episode 20 of Worlds Beyond Number. And if you are just catching the recap, you can check the description for our full discussion. Um, Hope to see you there. Well, yeah. That was me leaving to go to the full discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I have this this space heater that kicked on and it's like really loud. Making Um, me sweat. Yeah, literally. (laughs) No, it's just really loud. Whenever like I watch our uh, stuff after the fact, it's like. Oh, really? So. Like I've never noticed. Yeah, I noticed. Doctor Oblivious. <laughs> um, Elliot Reed, moment killer. <laughs> not broker of the year with Proudy. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude. Um. Can we can we actually go back and maybe touch on the gallery? In- yeah. Yeah, so we didn't get to talk about it. Um, so uh, we talked just very briefly on WhatsApp, but um, hats off to Brennan for an extremely atmospheric, creepy. And the yeah. development of Pomeroy was like just <laughs> I hate spiders, man. Me too. <laughs> and um, the gargoyle, uh, what was his name? Opalfend. Yeah, very. Very cool. And I told you on WhatsApp, I really wanted Ursulon to yeah. just take the painting down. Yeah. But Subi was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, well, actually, so now I actually have a new, some, a new question because of episode 20, looking back to episode 19 now. Um, okay. Because Pomeroy, like you said, it was described as very spider like. Um, and there was even, the moment, um, which I don't, I don't want to get ahead and talk about 20 yet. Cause I want to talk about 19, but there was even the moment that Sly mentioned, which I'm pretty sure was referring to Pomeroy. I'm interested to see if you agree where he was talking about like, you know, the, the, the Citadel is so vast that like, think about what a creature with hundreds and hundreds of arms could like get mm-hmm. away with. To me, he was referring to Pomeroy. Mm. I don't know if, I didn't take it that way, but I think it's maybe even a double meaning. I think Brennan's incredibly okay, well, brilliant. I can see that. We'll we'll hold that for now because uh, I want to talk about 19. 
But there's lots of spider imagery with Pomeroy, like you said. And in episode 19, the voice in Ursuline's head was like there was spider imagery with that as well. And clearly he went and talked to that painting. So like I just I'm wondering if Pomeroy was like at all pulling the strings there because like when Ursuline very first. Maybe I'm confusing two moments, actually, because there Brennan used the words when Ursuline first like opened himself up in the, the gallery that like you feel like you're touching a spider's web. So I originally mm-hmm. thought that was about the painting that he goes and talks to, but now I'm wondering if that was talking about Pomeroy. I think, I, well, I mean, I don't know if, I don't think Pomeroy was orchestrating that conversation, but I, I do think Brennan was basically setting the stage for like, hey, you're on the edge of something incredibly dangerous. Like there was like the mention of the spider's web. There was also, um, he said something like almost verbatim, it was, you know, you find yourself standing on the edge of a cliff and one yeah. one step and you would fall forever. Um, which I think is not just referring to that moment, but also uh, Opalfins later, as they're departing, basically says like, hey, just know that for every bonbon and every drink and every like delicacy you've indulged yeah. in, you have been one, literally one step away from being imprisoned here. Yeah. Um, which... Definitely, I mean, puts a little bit of a darker spin on the Citadel, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, they, I honestly expected more of a conversation about that in this episode, but things kind of moved fast and there was like something happening at each point. I wonder if like next... There was a little conversation. I mean, Ursuline basically said like, this place isn't, isn't for me anymore, which only two, maybe three episodes ago... It was him saying, like, I could I could have a life here. Like, I mm. could stay here. And it was a nice tie-in. I love that he mentioned um, Moro and how, like, yeah. it was like, well, is that a one-off thing or, or what? Because Steele seemed to imply, like, this is not what we stand for. You'll be safe at yeah. the Citadel, yada, yada. But then Suvi was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of kind of what we do. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that is but. that is interesting actually about Steel in particular because there's no way she doesn't know about this, right? Right. Not only does it know about, there's no way she doesn't isn't um uh, what's the word? Not allied in it. Uh, culpable. An accomplice. Yeah, yeah. A culpable. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, this. I'm just thinking of even Kalaya, like this wizard who lived at the and I, I mixed up the years. I couldn't remember how long it had been, but. 30 or 40, maybe even 50 years at the Citadel and then gets thrown into prison, basically put yeah. into the gallery. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> it's going to be one of those things where you accuse me of being evil. Like, uh, the walking dead guy. What was his name? The, the cannibal. The last of us. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I said, walking yeah. Dead. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What was his name? You were like, uh, I don't know, but you were like, <laughs> I can see it. Let's not go there. My, all I want to say is that I understand why they imprisoned her at that point. Not saying it's cool, but like she was impersonating a wizard for 50 years. So they're not going to be oh, cool with that. Come on. Whatever. <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> Give me a break. She wasn't <laughs> like wheeling and dealing. Like this is someone who obviously couldn't, what? didn't feel like they could be honest with their real identity and when they were found out so see i went very like jews in nazi germany listen i'm not saying it's okay (laughs) i'm not saying it's okay i just it makes sense like you know it's just that the gallery is their prison for spirits you know if if she wasn't a spirit let's just say it was a spy that was pretending to be a wizard for 50 years it's not like they're gonna say get out of here no they're gonna like imprison that person you know that's all I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. Okay. You guys should be, be on the record that I'm not saying it's cool. And tell us. <laughs> I heard you say you would do the same thing if you were in those shoes. <laughs> Just so. saying, you know, somebody's pretending to be somebody they're not. It doesn't usually go over well. Is that not what Ursuline's doing? It is. And he's having to hide for a reason, right? Like, Steel knows, but I think most people would not be cool with it. Let's see the circular logic here. He has to hide for a reason. And that then in is why he would be guilty of the same crime. Like, 
again, I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm just, what I'm saying is I, it makes complete sense to me. Like if they found out Ursulon was a spirit, they, the powers that be, I think would have an issue with it. Okay. We've been friends for 30 years. You better hope. You better hope that I don't find out something about you. I'm secretly a werewolf. I don't know. Um, but okay. So I'm kind of torn on, cause there's like a logical section of things to talk about here with Pomeroy, but I also do want to talk about some stuff from 19. Well, I just, I, I just wanted to, uh, there is more to talk about that links us to 20, but like just some like singular details. Yeah. Uh, we know Opalfind is a demon. Um, we don't know. But that's just mean spirit, though, right? True. But okay. it's like a additional, like, echelon. Is that the right word? Or classification, yeah. I guess. Um, I'm just very... This is, all there is is conjecture. I don't know right. where to go with it, <laughs> other than just like... Was this like a, a demigod or something? Like, surely wouldn't be in a gallery... Right, but um, I got vibes of something like truly insidious in this character, and I hope I hope we see it again. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> who knows who knows how it works with like what the like the subject matter of the painting? Like, is this all just kind of like cool thematic detail, or is there like is that literally like a snapshot of something from Opalfin's life? Mm. But I mean, the picture was like a burning kingdom, and like him sitting on the throne. You know, mm -hmm. like as if he'd ransacked the kingdom and killed the king, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. So super sinister, super cool. Um, and he was on that that next floor down, which was like described as being like mm -hmm. not like more disheveled. So like maybe it's kind of like storage or something like is he down there because he can't be trusted to be up in the front or something like very curious about all of like the world building behind this place. Um. And what are they what are they doing with these things? You know, like it seems like because sometimes the the subjects disappear. Right. And we saw at least the 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 lion with three eyes. I think it was like he like said something to Ame and then disappeared. So it seems like the spirit itself has some level of control. And it's not just like they disappear when the wizards come and do something with them. necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> But yeah, really, really cool world building element, but really messed up. Like the fact that they're on display, you know, is like almost like a trophy case, um, which kind of speaks to like the mentality of like mm -hmm. the dynamic. Um, so, yeah. And also <clears throat> just because it makes sense to talk about it now, even though this is an episode 20 thing, thought it was really fascinating to learn that like Pomeroy is not subjugated if we're taking him at his word. Um, that he like, like chose to be there and is not forced to be there. Um, which well, go ahead. just put it in. Just Brennan is so freaking good, man. This that dialogue where he was asked if he was subjugated and he said something like, you know, I have like lived, I lived in the darkness for like however many years, and now like possessing all of them brings more pride and fulfillment than whatever nourishment he got in hunting them previously yeah. just a really uh, very, it just so good yeah very very sinister which also tying it back to that that thing sly said a minute ago makes me just nervous about like what pomeroy is actually doing like i do trust him that like he is doing it for that sense of pride but if we can infer that that statement was about him like i feel like there's other there's other motives than just being the jailkeeper you know, like he's up to something. Well, unlikely um, <clears throat> maybe even other spirits that are just as committed to the empire. It may be even more sinister. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, like we know that we know that Rin got the, got the one up on this guy somehow knows his true mm -hmm. name <clears throat> and was able to use that to kind of get in there and help some of these spirits by, stealing them seemingly um mm -hmm. and you know framing other people for the disappearances um so i wonder if pomeroy like similarly could oh some of these other paintings went missing and he had just like ate those or something you know 
like because <laughs> clearly really paintings go missing from time to time yeah. so like maybe more than just the ones we know rin did have also happened or something oh that's brilliant oh that's such a good insight no, he's, yeah he's creepy, i mean though. yeah i mean if i mean i could totally see that being the case <laughs> burn it all burn it all down man <laughs> yeah uh, something needs to be done about him i want to know his real form too like yeah. we know, we know he's spidery, and Brennan also described him as being like huge. I think, yeah, vast, yeah, mm-hmm. humongous, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is interesting that the glamour form can—it's not just a visual yeah. effect. It's not minor illusion. It's like a full-on. Um, it's very wow, um, like the dragon aspects vibe mm. of like yeah. they can take a human form. Um, so it's pretty interesting that like this, and it's actually, it's not even, I shouldn't even say it's a wow thing. It's actually a stereotypical D and D thing mm-hmm. is, um, a number of, uh, D and D creatures, or even more specifically, I think of Baldur's gate too. There is a person you meet, uh, spoilers for this 20 year old game, <laughs> this person you meet who ends up being a massive red dragon later on. So just precedent for it, but yeah. still kind of cool how the glamour effect works, I guess. Yeah, I was, that was something I was wondering. Cause we know Ursulon is like a few feet taller than his glamour. So I always wondered, is it one of those things where if like somebody swiped their arm, like above <laughs> his glamour's head, would they hit something yeah. or, mm-hmm. um, but I guess we know that it, they wouldn't. Um, right. <clears throat> right. Um, there is What's, something, or go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I'm, just going to transition us fully to 20, but you okay. go ahead. I'm transitioning us fully, but it's something completely else from 19 that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Yeah, and just I'm, like <clears throat> a tiny detail to wrap up that conversation. Um, I love how Brennan just dropped the real name and you're like, sorry, what? What's the real name? <laughs> you know, but but interestingly, I just I just I love this theme of like the power, the power of the name and like subjugation and um in terms of like the true name, right? And so, um, and even how the wizards, like they, when they put on their name cloak, they, yeah. they lose their real name, so to speak. Um, so I just, it's just a cool story detail that continues to be kind of fun. Yeah, totally. I like the like recurring theme of it. Um, <clears throat> oh, and also one, I guess, last thing on that before we move away is very interesting that um, Soft was one of the wizards that previously worked there that seemingly seemingly presumably orchestrated that, that jailbreak, if you were, right. or if you will. But it also seems like in the eyes of the Citadel, he probably got it. Like it didn't seem as if he allowed it. Right. Because otherwise mm-hmm. like he would have been in way more trouble. I feel like, and he did get in trouble. We know that, but right. it didn't seem like he let all the spirits away. It was more like they got away under your watch is the vibe I got. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, I wonder the story that I'm telling myself is that it wasn't just like, you know, what we're doing here is wrong jailbreak and Kalia is happens to be one of them. I envision like a future story note of soft and Kalia befriending one another, not mm-hmm. unlike Subi and Ursulon, which is very cool. poetic and then freeing Kalia and having to free many more in order mm. to assist Kalia in her escape. Okay. I could, I could totally see something like that, but I, also would assume that he maybe wanted to release more because we know that he was studying the spirits, right? Like we learned about Mm -hmm. the the near spirit or whatever, I think something like that. Mm -hmm. So it seems like he kind of has a soft spot for that type of thing. Right. Um, Okay. But but anyway, yeah, you can go on to episode 20 now. I just want, that was like the one other detail I wanted to mention still on 19, but we're shifting uh, to the completely other subject. And it was this really interesting thing about what Suvi figured out about her mom. And we learned more about this like accusation of treason. And I'm trying to find the exact part in my notes because it was a lot of Brennan words. Um, and But it was essentially like there are these three um, metaphysical oh, right. axioms that are like right. put forward for the Citadel. The uh, yeah. interp- interpolation, mediation, and proliferation. And proliferation... <clears throat> um, this, this third axiom does not describe any actual truth of the lingua arcana, nor does it more broadly describe any facet of the greater binding. Rather, this axiom is pure intellectual technology that serves a political purpose. Um, it's given as magical writ for the expedition of citadel convenience and the ramifications of this being made magical law, solely every instance 
of the lingua arcana that it touches. It's a danger to the future of wizardry um, and the convenience of its acceptance. Uh, it will be a danger even when the convenience of its acceptance have long since passed. Um, and this was her mom's like letter yeah. that had been written. And it was like the letter to try to like defend herself. Right. Or like why? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was about like, I'd be, like she was, yeah, it ended with like, I'd be happy to like <laughs> explain more to you guys in person. Um, <clears throat> but so, yeah, I thought this was really interesting. So we know that there is yeah. like this super fundamental thing that the Citadel is pushing as part of like, yeah. The lingua and, arcana. Yeah. But, and yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Brennan said, like, when you become, like, a first-time wizard or student, like, this is, like, one of the most basic foundational things, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, those those three axioms are, like, the fundamental rules, right? And Brennan, she's saying, you have much time, brother. Like, this is, like, <laughs> the detail of, like, lore. I'm, like, spinning. Like, okay, hang on. Now, what is it? No, but I already know. It's going to be two years from now. We're going to be putting up, like, the explainer vids on TikTok. Yeah, the, you the know, Pepe being, like, Silva. Yeah, you'll be like, hey, so, you know, you might have heard like the axiom of interpolation. Well, this is actually from, you know, and yeah. <laughs> if we're going to be all about it, you know, so. Um, but prior to that letter, though, the actual thing that got her expelled, her mother, was accusing one of her professors of treason against magic itself. Uh, and Brennan, or excuse me, Abria mistakenly later in episode 20 said uh, treason against the Citadel and Brennan corrected her and said, well, no, it wasn't treason against the Citadel, treason against magic itself. Mm -hmm. um, which, by the way, is a nice little callback to a scene from Calamity where Brennan had a similar engagement between two NPCs where one, it doesn't matter, but anyway, <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so that was kind of the preceding event that um, you're kind of like, man, what the heck? What happened? And then why did her mother get brought back into the Citadel? Yeah, I don't know why she would have been brought back, but it seems like this thing is what now I don't know why it was directed at like a singular teacher or like what the relationship there was. But this axiom of proliferation, I think, is what she's calling treason against magic itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what this is, is apparently, oh, yes, yes. That was her like kind of explaining herself. Yeah. Right? So yeah, they are. Yeah. Right. And so what this is, is that what the, the axiom of proliferation actually is, is the more times a spell is written down, the weaker it becomes. So like mm -hmm. the more a spell is in people's spell books, the more wizards that know about it, the weaker it is. Which is such a crazy detail. Yeah, it feels so it feels and I <clears throat> this isn't written in my notes that I'm looking at right now. Oh. So I don't know if I made this up. Hang on. Hang on. Somehow and a GIF, a GIF. Sorry, I got made fun of her saying GIF just started playing on my computer somewhere. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. Oh, I, it's sorry. Now it's gone. I don't know where it went. <laughs> it literally it lit. I'm sitting here. It literally just started playing on its own. And so if you're. <laughs> Well, you're recording too, so I mean, we'll use yours, yeah. but all of a sudden I started playing and I was like, what's happening? What's, what's happening? going on? It's from Community too, so I was like, pop, pop. Dean Pelton? Where are you? <laughs> so anyway, that was so weird, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I just was going to say that like, oh, oh, I don't have this written down, so I don't know if I'm making this up, but for some reason I feel like there is something about this axiom of proliferation that's tracking this right like there almost would have to be because how else there's some element whether that okay i know i'm losing myself here no, me... no, no, I'm, I'm with you yeah All if right. it's well uh, maybe not like an actual counter but like a general principle like the more it's recorded written down whatever the a general oh. understanding that becomes weaker like that yeah i remembered i remembered my thought process here so the fact that she's calling it treason means that like it's not the natural way of things right it's something well, she didn't that accused, she didn't accuse the principal of treasonous she accused a professor of treason treason well i'm just mean against the treason against magic itself yeah i'm inferring okay. that that okay. means this okay. axiom of proliferation isn't natural like it's not the normal yeah. way of magic okay. yeah, so yeah presumably the powers that be like added this so like there might be some sort of actual counter involved when a spell is cast and i'm tying is this that... sorry 
Sorry, I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm tying this back to something else we learned. Let him cook. From uh, Suvi, which was yes. her father's notes. I'm with you. And getting rid of that that the useless word, the null cleft. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like maybe that null cleft serves as like the counter, yes. like, oh, somebody yes. used that spell and it's being denoted somewhere. It's like the governor on the car or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's something that it's like, yeah, this is how you do it. And then he's bro. This is like such a mind just like, <laughs> but it makes sense though. Right. Right. Uh, then again, I don't know if we are Pepe Sylvian, like it makes sense. Right. And it, people are listening so. are like, what? But yeah, like maybe the Imperium in teaching magic, the null cleft is added as a counter or like as a governor or something. And Suvi's dad, through coincidence, discovered like, why is this on here? It works without it. Yeah. Um, well, he probably figured that out due to being married to right. Stone, who would have, you know, I'm sure shared these things with him, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that just so but like, what is what is the. And it's probably not fair to call it insidious, but like, what is the purpose of that? If they are weakening spells, the more they're known, like, is it because these most powerful wizards are like hiding and keeping the most powerful spells for themselves? And they're making it so like that. the masses couldn't ever overthrow them because all they're going to have access to are these yeah, weaker spells or something. You know, Brennan thematically is very like uh, anti- um, I don't know if anti-establishment is the right word. I, mean, I, I know what you mean. Else, but like, I, I could totally see something like that. We even have gotten hints of that, of like um, the archmages being able to use like their own supply mm -hmm. or something of like the reservoir. Yeah. Um, which is like, you don't do that for everyone else. So I could definitely see like it being a form of control and power yeah. and... Um, but how funny though, if this ends up being a thing, cause I remember the no cleft episode being like, what a random detail. Like we are really <laughs> spinning into like extra, the extra sauce on top. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool how it seems like it's coming back into an actual meaningful detail. So, yeah. So I just, I just wanted to briefly touch on that. Um, but now we can shift to back to episode 20. Yeah. Um, unless you had anything um, else from no no i just love that whole conversation um <clears throat> episode 20 uh i loved the divination uh wizard sly, sly? yeah he was great very um wizard from uh i think bed knobs and broomsticks or whatever the old mm. cartoon is that's what i kept visualizing um just a very cool character and like i love how brennan just like casually delivered some like really heavy story notes or urgency of mm -hmm. like yeah they're gonna kill you and if suvi's not there you're dead and they're gonna try to destroy you and also kind of painted that meeting in a much more negative light which i kind of envisioned like hey the band's getting together and you know grandmother Ren's dead can you come can you come in her place you know yeah we, we can all meet you instead it was like we hate you and we're going to kill you <laughs> so yeah, I, de I didn't think it was going to be a uh, like a happy-go-lucky meeting necessarily because of that other meeting with the... Mm -hmm. I can't remember mm -hmm. her, but that we privy mm -hmm. to in the flashback mm -hmm. where she didn't seem like the nicest gal. Um, <clears throat> but I wasn't expecting the thing to be that like, hey, yeah, they're going to vote to like <laughs> kick you out. You know, you're going to be done. Um, Which I wonder why. There was... Um, what did they say? It was something about like if i can find where this was but he, he there was some like quasi re reason given um basically about like she posed a danger or something mm -hmm. um i can't find it i think it was like someone was going there, there was going to be like a conversation convincing one another of like the oh. danger <clears throat> All, all, this isn't really telling, but the sentence I was looking for is just says that one of her sisters is going to say in this meeting that the Witch of the World's Heart station threatens the existence of magic in Umora. That's what Sly said. We don't really know what that means. But mm. That was like the reason that was given. Which <clears throat> I'm not saying these things are connected, but there's been this other kind of ambiguous thing we've been talking about for the whole show about like these things people came to meet with grandmother Ren about 
and, you know, being like, you know, are you going to do something about this? Like what, you know, maybe these are all connected. Um, maybe, maybe it's because she's the, the witch of humanity and what these wizards are doing are threatening magic and the balance with spirits and stuff. So like, maybe it's somewhere in that vein. Um, but it's interesting that the argument Sly said that Ame could use to sway them is that like, if you destroy my station, there has to be another that's destroyed. And I wonder why mm-hmm. that is. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's an even number right now. Yeah, it's got to be more than that. It can't be like, there's got to be six and I bring us down, you know. Because yeah. we know that's <laughs> not the case because we know yeah. that there used to be like a lot more, Rin told us. Yeah. And that it's been yeah. like whittled down over the years. Yeah. Um. Definitely an epic conversation coming. And also, interestingly, that Suvi... Suvi has to be there, and then at some point over the next year, Ursulan has to have a shield, which I just know that Brennan is going to pocket that into some amazing combat situation where Ursulan shields off like a catastrophic blow, and yeah. like we just like you know very uh, uh, what's his name, just like you know that's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Leonardo uh, DiCaprio yeah. meme, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that does seem just like a cool DM tool to like reference back to. But I also just think it was Brennan kind of pointing them in the right direction with a really cool in-universe reason to, you know, Mm -hmm. that's obviously not that like Ame obviously wasn't going to go by herself. Right. Like this is a and d game. They're a party. They're all going to end up going. But now they have this great reason, especially since Sly said the Citadel is not going to give you permission to go with her. Right. Um, But now Suvi like doesn't have to like wrestle with that or, you know, figure out or a Bria mm-hmm. rather. It's like, no, but Sly told me if I don't go, she's going to die. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I really like that. And you spoke about this already, but I just want to agree that Sly was such a cool character. Um, and Brennan did so many cool, like there were so many poignant and powerful moments with using that foresight, you know, psych psychic gift that he had. Um, I just, I love that whole love- scene. I just love the Ruby conversation. Yeah, that was such a great moment. Like, oh, yes, you never stole it then, huh? I know. I was like, I literally was just like, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Yeah, it was so quick, you too. You freaking genius. <laughs> and, this, uh, and then another moment that I that I wrote down just because I, I, I liked it so much, which isn't like a clever moment in the same way, but it just like, I could really feel like the just the history of improv and trust between Brennan and Lou. And it was just like when they were kind of having that quick, funny conversation, like talking about his bedside manner. Um, and Sly is like, I'm getting a note on my bedside manner. And Lou just immediately is like, very much so. It was just like, I don't know why about that. That sequence just really put a smile on my face. But I was like, oh, that's such a just a nice little moment. It felt so real. Um, I did but yeah. Oh, and the conversation toward the end about importance, that was so like poignant, you know, um, with Ursula asking like, why aren't you the most important man here? Um, well, one, his answer being that like the things I value as catastrophes are not aligned with what the Citadel thinks are problems, but then just like importance isn't dictated by like powerful people, right? It's like Ursula you are important and everyone is important in their own way. I'm butchering what he said, but it was just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and definitely like the Fox, just definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Fantastic. So, well done. <clears throat> um, I'm interested um, as to what is going on with him though. Like we know why the Citadels doesn't treat him as important, but clearly is very powerful and, if we take him at his word, which he proved that he knew some things like about Ame and stuff. Um, but like he's, he's therefore I believe his other catastrophes he's preventing are real. Like this is like the most important man right. <laughs> in the Citadel, right. you know, let me just, let's just clip this and just in a level with me for a second. I'm gonna throw something out there. Okay. Okay. Wheels are spinning. Okay. There comes a time in D&D where you meet an NPC where you're like, this is like probably the most powerful NPC to work towards the party's advantage. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, how do you balance this out? And effectively, the party has met this NPC who's on their side, who is a true friend, who who knows the freaking future. 
I think how much how cool it would be if Brennan writes this character to essentially help them and prevent catastrophes, even if it leads to his own demise down mm. the road, which also is a really great, um, I don't say DM tool, but like there being like an expiration on certain resources and things just so like they can't be used endlessly or otherwise you have to sometimes have to like always explain why. Yeah. Or, but I guess it could also be like the Dr. Strange thing of like, if I tell you it won't happen, I mean, you could do that too. But um, I'm just very excited to see like what Brennan does with this character, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he, he also, you know, it, their paths crossed with this Ame thing. Cause that apparently is a very, potentially calamitous thing if like the witch of the world's heart were to be taken out but it could be that like he's going to be too busy dealing with preventing other things than to like meddle in this mm -hmm. level two now i guess party's affairs mm -hmm. um because so i did like the way that he just teleported out at the end because it's like he's got other places to be other things to do um right but it would be cool i mean not i don't want him to die but it would be like interesting if like you were saying there was some like sacrifice play that he ultimately had to make to one kind of remove that piece off of the board. Um, but two, he's also really old, I think, right? Not that that necessarily uh -huh. means much for a wizard, but there's some line that I remember Suvi saying about the office of preemptive mm -hmm. catastrophic deviation or whatever, where like, that's like where old wizards go to die, mm. which kind of speaks to how like no one else in the Citadel thinks it's important. Um, but so that just made me think he was like on the older side and, well, this is a pretty powerful magic. I mean, surely the archmages are able to utilize it too, or I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. It made it seem like you, like maybe it's just a field of study, right? And he's like the expert in that because um, he talked about yeah. like honing his magic over the years or whatever. Um, I did think it was funny that the reason he bought that place was because he foresaw the the kebab place opening up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, this is random, but the music during that section was very like hitting a certain like nostalgic note yes. for me. Very me video game. Yes. Like I don't know what it was, but I yeah. noticed it too. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So shout out Taylor Moore. He always yeah. is doing a fantastic job. Um. But yeah, Sly easily one of favorite NPCs of the whole campaign so far. Um. <clears throat> moving on from there. Um, when they go to Haverwert, um, I just loved Brennan's kind of like blue collar esque illustration yeah. and like just offsetting Suvi's privilege, as you called it, with like the real circumstances of Hannah and her dad. And mm -hmm. like, hey, we're going to go get some dinner. You want to come? And like, yeah. And then realizing like their workload has doubled and yet the time to delivery is the same and it was just kind of sobering. Yeah. I really liked that dynamic and, you know, all, all the way to like the, the little detail that could easily have just not been included, but it's like, you know, Brennan being really great at what he does with the conversation in the native language where Hannah like doesn't want to give them the shield, you know, cause, and I don't know this, but my interpretation of that scene was like, Suvi has everything and now she's just going to waltz in here and we're going to give her something else just for free. Cause she asked, you know, so like that to me, that's why she was like, didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> and plus, I mean, not only the like socio political dynamic between them, but there's the whole accident thing, which I'm sure gives her all the other more reasons to like not love Suvi, you know, which maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember like they were kids and they were playing near that, pool of magic or whatever and she jumped in or something happened and Suvi pushed her in i think Suvi pushed her in i forgot about that part yeah yeah so no wonder right like so <clears throat> just feels like suvi has always been kind of oblivious of yeah these dynamics but as we saw in this episode finally kind of picked up on it mm -hmm. yeah just yeah great great kind of character world building happening in that scene um and you know, the war machine continues to ramp up. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering where we're, what are we heading to? Like, are we heading to like a full scale war, like combat? I mean, it's yeah. very interesting because two episodes ago, we had the level nine fireball to Marie right. who right. were getting shipped out too. Right. Like, this is very, this is a catastrophic 
it's not a skirmish we're talking about. Yeah, and presumably the the Fort Kieran thing has been dealt with, according to Sly. Mm-hmm. But that was obviously maybe like kind of the first domino, maybe not the first, but you know, one of the first dominoes leading to something bigger. And then the ships all arriving at the end being like the most Suvi had ever seen. Like yeah. the implication was your implication those are returning from Fort Kieran and that big of a force was sent there? Or there the forces are being called back to base to like get like everyone come back. We're about to have to go do some stuff. I feel like it would have to be the latter, right? Because I mean she's seeing soldiers come back from combat. It's how her story yeah. opened up. Yeah, and it wouldn't seem so. I mean, we don't really know anything about Fort Kyrian, but the fact that it's already okay makes it seem like yeah. it wouldn't have been right. that much bigger of a deal that Suvi would take note right. of the size of this fleet coming in. Right. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where that's going. There is, I don't want to move us away from this specific point if you had more, but there is something else I wanted to jump back to a little bit. Um, yeah, sure. And it was Ursula's sister thing. Hmm. Um, just to kind of build out this timeline a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so we know that Ursulan leaves the spirit realm, comes to <clears throat> the prime material plane, meets Sir Kieran, And that was, I think like 300 ish years ago from present day with Suvi and everybody. Right. He goes back through to the spirit realm, tells his dad about the pauldron. He's like, you got to go deal with that. Yeah. Instead, Ursulan, you know, like is like a playful kind of fight with his siblings, I think, or something and runs back into the real world. His sister chasing him. Right. So we know Ursulan to come back through and it's 300 years in the future and he meets young Ame and young Suvi. <clears throat> so presumably his sister comes through and she's way in the past compared to that. Now we don't yeah, know different time. we don't know when, but it's at the very least 50 or 60 years earlier. Because she then spends 50 plus years as a fake wizard in the Citadel. So I mean, I would stand to reason that there's probably a chunk of time before that began like she didn't just enter the real world day one and go do that right so probably 60 70 if not more years earlier than when ursulan arrived so she fakes being a wizard for 50 years then gets caught put in the gallery and was released from the gallery 22 years prior to today um so we don't know that 50 years where she was a wizard i'm assuming that doesn't include her imprisonment time i agree so we don't yeah. even like she could have been imprisoned for a hundred years you know for all we know um there's just no i guess i guess we know that it was at least no i guess we don't know um well i i took it well i guess i took the wizard time to like it ended with her being imprisoned is kind of how i saw it okay so meaning like she was a wizard for 30 years got yeah. caught and then was imprisoned for 20 yeah years. okay yeah so but the 50 number is also in my head. So it, right. it could be the other one too. Yeah. I guess we don't, we didn't get like explicit confirmation, but so anyway, she's at least been in the human world for probably 60 to 70 years, but it could be way longer than that mm-hmm. potentially. So it seems like she chased her brother over here. And then I would imagine, you know, having no idea about the time dilation originally was looking for Ursulan for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then potentially at some point figured out what happened and then tried to learn more about magic would be my assumption to like try to or, either get herself back or help Ursulan or, or maybe she knew Ursulan would one day be at the Citadel and she was literally just waiting till he would arrive. True. Like how, do, how does every story like that go? It's like you go to the place, you know, someone will eventually be true. So maybe somehow through divination, she knew Ursulan would one day be at the Citadel and she was like, I'm just going to chill here for a while. Yeah, it, this seems like to find Ursulan was like the main goal, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. then <clears throat> gets found out, gets imprisoned, meets soft, mm-hmm. gets out. Um, so where is she now? It's an mm-hmm. interesting question. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure for my own sake and also for anybody else out there, kind of just build that timeline a little bit. Um very interesting, though, to think of, you know, that that 
Because I didn't even consider his sister was here at all, which I don't know if we for knew that. I don't think we did, because I don't think we could have known. Um, right. Right. But yeah, I'm just curious what, where she's at, what she's up to. Is, is it going to be a good relationship at this point? You know, she's spent potentially 100 plus years mm-hmm. trapped over here. Maybe not trapped, but presumably trapped in the same way that Ursulan is, but maybe not. She didn't get like bathed and stuff like he did necessarily. But I would also imagine she wouldn't have spent 50 years at the Citadel if she could have just gone home. Right. So right. maybe she maybe she's not Ursulan's biggest fan anymore, you know? Um, maybe she's the BEG. Maybe, B-E-G. you know? This, honestly, gets imprisoned for we don't know how long, probably is not a fan of the Citadel, right? Probably, so, yeah. <laughs> so it might be an interesting kind of dynamic when, if and when yeah. this meeting happens right. and, you know, Suvi's still there. Yeah. Um, but I guess if soft did help her and she knows that's his daughter, maybe that wouldn't be as abrasive. A is the next episode tomorrow or yes. is it a week out? No, it's tomorrow. Oh. Okay, cool. <clears throat> nice. Which I think, um, procrastinating paid off. I got yeah. to listen to <laughs> three episodes in one week. <laughs> pop, pop. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for the most part, that's. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Well, it's only getting better and better. I'm very curious how many episodes we have left to the end of this arc. Um, like a, which, a bit, right? Because we just started, I think, right? Yeah. Well, I know they had filmed through, I think, 25 was the the number given like a few months ago. Um, but it's good and it's very, it's very palatable, too. You know, being I know. Up- I think it was in the arc one wrap up, but I might be wrong. It's not important, but I remember them saying like they were about to start arc three and that was before arc two had aired for us. So they had already finished this entire arc before we heard the first episode of it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But I mean, the arc could be five episodes long for all we know, you know, I I doubt it is, but um, yeah, they definitely got a, a, a ways ahead on it. And I wonder if that's partially due to apparently Brennan just had a baby. He and his uh, wife, I think. I thought they went on their honeymoon. Was I don't know. Went. Maybe I'm wrong. <clears throat> um, I just somebody I mentioned that like, in the Discord. Uh, he may have. Maybe it's both. I don't yeah. know. Um, I thought I read that he was on his honeymoon, though. Could be. I don't know. But <laughs> they're both big <laughs> life details. Yeah, yeah. One is much more tiring than the other. But <laughs> true. <laughs> Okay. Well, let us know what you guys thought of this episode and any thoughts and theories you have. And if you have a friend who isn't watching Worlds Beyond, but they love D&D, I would definitely encourage you to let them know about it. And again, jump in our Discord um, because we love talking about it and discussing it. So we'll have that link in the episode description. Yeah. And uh, for fewer Critical Role fans, C3 back this Thursday. Um, Our live stream on Friday at 1 p.m. Central Time and Sunday Funday Watch Parties. All things to be on the lookout for. That's all I got, though. See ya. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all. Bye.